or Harrison or Charles or Missy or a few others, you can see faith. Faith will always give you something to do if you think like you need something to do. Uh, so there's a lot going on, and we are thankful for that. And it is encouraging when you are here and we are able to be together to encourage ourselves to think about all that we can do together uh, for the Lord's church and for each other and the ways that we can in- encourage each other with just our daily walk and all the things that we have going on here at the Saudi Congregation. Uh, we are going to uh, be stepping away this week for a few days to go to Polishing the Pulpit as a family. We're very thankful to you for that opportunity, uh, being here. I've never been able to do that because of uh, the job that I was holding. Uh, and so being able to be here, we're going to go up for a few days, and we covet your prayers as we travel. I know the Sorellos are already there for a few days, and so we look forward to an encouraging week. We will not be able to be with you as we'll be up there on Wednesday night, but please plan to be back with us not only this evening, but Wednesday night as well as we continue uh, to study together. If you have your uh, bulletin there in front of you, you can be looking at the outline. Uh, If you're on social media, you've already gotten a little uh, treat there or may already know the title. Uh, And if you're not on social media or or if you are and maybe you don't uh, are not as active, I would encourage you to take a look, especially if you're on Facebook at the uh, Saudi uh, page that's there. And Harrison has one that he does you things through. We'd love for you to check those out. And more importantly, share those things as we try to put out, you know, announcements and things that are going on about our service times. Because uh, certainly even uh, as Harrison prayed just a moment ago for us, we live in a time of technological advancement. And so that is one of the ways that we have to reach out to people. So by all means, take a chance. To, to like the things or share the things that we try to put out there to, so that folks in this area and folks that we know will have an opportunity uh, to think about coming to services here or to one of our events that we have that's going on. But as we think about the title of the lesson this morning, and that's not the right lesson. <laughs> we, I, can, I can change up here. We ha- Do you have the other one? I'm sorry about that. Now, this is new to me. I, I may have given... Uh, um, Charles the wrong lesson, uh, but this is uh, new to me because usually I have to bring my own PowerPoint and put it up. Um, Sending it to Charles usually makes it very easy. Uh, But if you've got your outline in front of you there, uh, the title of the lesson this morning is As We Stand and Sing for our AM lesson this morning. And I've got my notes up here so we can continue on through that as maybe Charles sees if he can get it pulled up for us there. But the title of the lesson this morning is As We Stand and Sing. And what I'd like for us to consider is the end of the lesson. A lot of times we come to the end of the lesson and we're not even, you know, sure maybe what's been said. Maybe we've not been paying attention. Maybe there's been other things going through our mind. Uh, Maybe we're not quite sure, uh, you know, where we stand. And the preacher gets ready to talk about what it means and what it takes to become a Christian. What it means to become obedient to the gospel plan of salvation. And a lot of times we're not even sure what's going on in our mind. Because sometimes we're moving on to the next part of the service. You know, I even know, some of you know Brother Cliff Goodwin, a great gospel preacher. I've even heard in some of his lessons uh, from time to time, at the end of his kind of lesson, if you will, he'll stop and ask everyone, thank you, brother, uh, to take their books and their Bibles and put them aside and pull out their songbook, which is not necessarily needed here as we go into uh, having the songs on the screen. But a lot of times he'll ask everyone to, to put their books and Bibles down and pull out their songbook so that they can focus for just a moment on the Lord's invitation, on this simple plan. Now, this is a slide that my father-in-law uses a lot, almost every sermon that he preaches, and he puts it up there, and it just simply lays out for you what we would call the simple plan of salvation, God's simple plan, becoming a Christian, which includes even at the end, the Lord adding you to his church, 
And then a lot of times he has a picture uh, of, of a group of people there because we know that after being added to the church by the Lord, part of that includes living faithfully. And so a lot of times the lesson, we, we kind of go through that, we go through the motions, and we're not exactly thinking about what comes next. And so this morning, I would like for us to consider for just a moment what we think, what we say, what we do as we stand and sing. And if you can see it on the screen there, this is an outline. I'm borrowing from Brother Adam Fawn. Some of you may know the Fawn family and the work that they do online and in various ways encouraging uh, folks and other preachers. He had put this out there one time before, and I thought this was a really encouraging thought for us. When the preacher says, as we stand and sing, what should I do? What should you do? And guess what? We're going to do that here in just a few moments, but we do it almost every service. And what should we be doing as we stand and sing? Number one this morning, you should or can consider your relationship with God. Consider your relationship with God in light of the sermon. Now that's a little tricky sometimes, right? Because somebody says, well, the sermon was on murder and how we're not supposed to murder. There's no way I'm responding to the sermon on murder. I've never done that. Or someone says it was online. I don't pick people to think I'm a liar, so I'm not going to respond to that sermon. But oftentimes the point of the sermon is to get you to consider what was being said in light of the sermon. So we can consider our relationship with God. You know, preaching is supposed to be teaching. It is supposed to be action motivating. At times there may be an emotional appeal. At times there may be an intellectual appeal. And oftentimes that comes at the end of the lesson. Sometimes it comes tied in very nicely and neatly. Last week we talked about what it means to be the new man or to have the new life. It's very easy to ask you, are you a new person, a new man? Are you walking in newness of life? It flowed very smoothly. But even if the sermon is on something else, even if the sermon is on lying or whatever, you can consider your life or your relationship with God in light of the sermon. Am I searching the scriptures, as we sometimes say, even when the sermon is done? A couple of passages for you to consider. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Paul says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that, and you might have these words circled or underlined in your Bible, that each one may receive the things he has done, whether good or bad. Yes, as many Sundays as I may stand here in front of you, it doesn't really matter. I can't stand before God on your behalf. No one else can stand on God on your, for, before God on your behalf. Consider your relationship with God because it is you who will have to stand before him. And then, of course, we think about what should be the encouraging words of John in 1 John chapter 1 and verses 5 and 10 about walking in the light as he is in the light heard another wonderful lesson a couple of times actually by brother don blackwell about how we can be comfortable and to some extent we can be comforted by being in christ we don't have to worry necessarily in going to bed every night about whether or not we're going to if we die we're going to go to hell or whether we're going to go to heaven we can have some hope we can have some comfort we can have some peace the idea behind that of course is this passage of walking in the light we don't have to worry every step with every word that we say. If we are walking in the light as he is in the light, then we have that fellowship. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin, as verse 7 says there in 1 John chapter 1. Do you consider your relationship with God in light of the sermon when we stand and sing? 
that may be the first and foremost thing that we can do. And yes, a lot of times it ties in with the lesson, but that is one of the things that we can do this morning as we think about standing and singing. So sometimes when we stand and sing, we sing these words, take my life and let it be. Where, what is our life? What are we doing with our life? Are we letting it be consecrated to God? Are we letting our life be a shining example to those that we're going to come in contact with? Sometimes we sing that and we encourage ourselves to consider our relationship with God. Number two this morning, we can contemplate the sacrifice of Christ when we stand and sing. Appreciate again the words of Brother Heath and his prayer encouraging us to think about that, to think about that terrible I, you know, there's a lot of words we can use, but terrible is, is one that comes to mind so times that, sometimes to me, that terrible suffering that he went through. And that can be of encouragement to us. We think about the words, of course, of John and John three sixteen. We know it so well. We mentioned a few weeks ago that that's certainly a passage that the world knows so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his son to die a ransom on Calvary. But what about the verses before that? John three fourteen and 15. Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Son of Man be lifted up. That's the kind of nice, easy way to say it in a way, isn't it? Because of all that he went through, all that he suffered, we can contemplate the sacrifice of Christ. If you've got your Bible, you might look as well at Mark chapter 15. We don't have the time this morning in this particular lesson, in this setting, to look at all of Mark chapter 15. But if you make a note there... Maybe as you uh, read on your own, or maybe if you look at these notes later today or later in the week as you're studying, you might make a note to read Mark 15, 22 through 37. It's very difficult to read sometimes. A lot of people don't like to read and think about it. You know, I don't remember if it was this sermon or not. I, I've preached this once before, but I, I preached a sermon at least one time on a little bit on the sacrifice of Christ, a little bit about that suffering on the cross. Perhaps you've heard one. I heard one by Brother da our brother David Smith a few years ago at Bible camp, that really encouraging sermon that caused us to think about really the physical pain and suffering. And I, heard, I preached a lesson similar to that one time, and a lady uh, got up and walked out during the, the sermon, which is not you know, uncommon. Someone needs to use the restroom or get a drink of water. And she stayed out the rest of the sermon and through the end of the service. And when I went to the back at the end of the service, she told me, she said, I really have a hard time listening to someone talk about what Jesus went through. And she talked about the fact that, that sometimes it even bothers her in her sleep, kind of a nightmare type of thing. And while we need to hear it, I understood that. I kind of understand. It's difficult to sit and listen to someone explain and think about the suffering that Jesus went through. But hopefully that would encourage us to contemplate that sacrifice and think about, in conjunction with our first point, our relationship with God. So sometimes when we sing, we sing the words, Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone. Thinking about exactly what Jesus did for you and for me and for the entire world. For the sins of the world, he was willing to go through that. Be lifted up, suffer and die. So sometimes when we stand and sing, we need to think about the suffering, the sacrifice of Christ. Because it might motivate us to make a change if we need to do that. Number three this morning, we might contemplate as well or think of the eternal 
joys of heaven. The eternal joys of heaven. How beautiful heaven must be. That's not oftentimes an invitation song, but we do sing those words. When we think about heaven, there are so many things that encourage us. John chapter 14 and verse 2. We talked about that over the last few weeks in one of our sermons. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And not only does Jesus say there are mansions in his Father's house, but he says, I go and prepare a place for you. And then continuing on even to verse 3, he says, And if I go... And prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. We like to think about the mansions. We like to think about the joys of heaven. It may not be the way that the world describes it sometimes, but that's a possibility as well to think about those mansions and the many other things that are there. What about 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, where Peter talks about, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved for you in heaven. We like to think about things that are incorruptible. We look around us and we think about our cars running down, our houses running down, our bodies sometimes running down and we like to think about things that are incorruptible, things that will last forever that will not fade away. Even as paint sometimes in our earthly life, in our house, or on our car, fades away. We can think about the eternal joys of heaven. And that might motivate us to be there. But even more familiar to us, possibly in one of my favorite passages as we think about heaven. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. When John is talking there and seeing and speaking of this new heaven and the new earth. And even going on down into verse 4, as he says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. I don't know about you, but many of us have lost loved ones. Many of us suffer through things on this earth. And maybe nothing speaks to me more, and maybe to you as well, as verse 4 there. A mansion sounds great to me. I'd like a mansion, if that's really what it is and the way it looks to us. But I would like no more death, and I would like no more sorrow. I'd like no more crying. Any of those things that we have to worry about anymore when we think about the eternal joys of heaven. And sometimes that will motivate us to do something, to make a change in our life. And sometimes as we stand and sing, we can think about the eternal joys of heaven. And that might spur us on because we want to be there. We want to be there with the faithful. We want to be there with our family members and friends who we know have been faithful and were faithful in their lifetime. And we want to be with God for all eternity. So sometimes when we stand and sing, we sing the words, what a day that will be. You know, over the last year or two, uh, I did a sermon series on some of the songs we sing. I know you probably had some of those similar to here at various times thinking about whether or not we really think of the words that we're singing when we sing to God, when we sing praises unto Him. What a day that will be. There are so many encouraging days in our life here upon this earth, so many things from wedding days to birthdays to so many other things that we can celebrate. But what a day that will be. And sometimes we can encourage ourselves to think about the eternal joys of heaven. But as well, number four this morning, we might think about the eternal joys horrors of hell now 
Now we're getting into the realm of places that we don't really want to think about, but certainly sometimes that is where our mind might go. If you have your Bible in front of you, you might turn, first of all, to Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. Many people are motivated by different things. We talked this morning in our Bible class over here in uh, adult class 1 about uh, showing a sermon and telling a sermon. We said sometimes we like to see things done as opposed to just hearing them. Well, sometimes we're motivated by the joy of life, and sometimes we're motivated by the bad things in life. Romans chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. Who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life. Here Paul is going to paint the very picture for us. One side or the other, eternal life. To those who by patient continuance and doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. You see, so many times we see Paul say something like that and we encourage ourselves with thinking about the the inclusive nature of the gospel. And it is. It's to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's to the male and the female. It's to everyone. But punishment's the same way. Indignation, wrath, tribulation, anguish to the Jew first and the Greek. To the male and the female. To any color of skin or any nation under the sun. Anyone who wants to obey can have that eternal joy of heaven. But anyone who wants to disobey and not be obedient. As Paul says here, even very plainly in verse 8. Who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. To those folks, there is a reward. That's not the right word. There is a punishment as well. There is something that will be coming for them, and that is one of those passages that reminds us of that. If you've got your Bible, turn over to the Gospel of Matthew or Matthew's account of the Gospel. Matthew chapter 25. We'll look at a couple of verses here together. Matthew chapter 25. Begin, first of all, in verse 46, if you will. Jesus says, and these got to be careful there and these will go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into eternal life who are the these that we're talking about we go back to verse 41 and begin then he will also say to those on the left hand depart from me you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels Again, for the sake of time this morning, we won't be able to go through all of this. It's a lesson unto itself, but we see who the these were. You see, God does not leave us wanting to find out. He does not leave us hanging, understanding, well, wait a minute, I need more information. Who are you talking about here? The these is told to us. Those who would go away into everlasting punishment. Jesus gives us the words here that we know and that we need to live by. And sometimes we need to think about the eternal horrors of hell. As well from Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12. Right after the Sermon on the Mount there, Jesus is talking about those who would receive this punishment. And he says, But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now again, we could paint a pretty picture for you of the joys of heaven. But the Bible again takes that other side and paints for us a picture of the eternal horrors of hell, the weeping and gnashing of teeth, the indignation, the wrath, the fire and brimstone, we sometimes say. It's waiting. It's absolutely waiting. And the Bible tells us that that is where a majority of folks may end up at, will end up at, because of their choice to not be obedient. 
And sometimes for us, as we stand and sing, we need to understand the eternal horrors of hell. So sometimes when we stand and sing, we sing the words, there's a sad day coming. And I don't know if it moves you to tears. I don't know if it causes you to contemplate. But when we sing that particular song, that's the idea. To cause us to think about that sad day that is coming. And how we don't want that day that's coming, that day of judgment, to be sad for us. Because we want to think about the eternal joys of heaven. But sometimes it helps us to understand the eternal horrors of hell as well. And then number five, finally this morning. Know as we stand and sing... That others are thinking of you. Others are thinking of you. Who are we talking about? Who are those other people? Well, first of all, other Christians. Fellow Christians are thinking about you. You know Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. I know you do because I know I've mentioned it from the pulpit just in the few Sundays I've been here. I know you know it because I know it's been discussed in classrooms here already. We all know the beginning of verse 25 as we talk about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And I know that most of you here understand the meaning behind that. The reason behind that, verse 24, that we consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. As we stand and sing, know that others are thinking of you. Now, somebody may know exactly what you're going through. Somebody, somebody may understand the trouble. Maybe you've shared with someone the difficulty in your life and someone is really thinking of you. They're not turning and looking at you. They're not pointing their finger at you, but they're thinking of you in an encouraging way. I love verse 24, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We know people who like to stir things up sometimes. But to stir up love and good works. Know that fellow Christians are thinking of you. Know as well about the former faithful. If you're there in Hebrews chapter 10, flip over to chapter 12. We're going to skip over chapter 11 that we know so well. What does the beginning of chapter 12 say? Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Perhaps you've pictured before, thinking about this passage, that great Colosseum. One of those great Colosseums we think about in gladiator times that surrounds us. And we think about, as verse 12 says there, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, the Hebrew writer here has just given us some of those folks. He's just laid before us the hall of the faithful or the hall of fame of the faithful who are looking down on us looking at us, maybe cheering us on, if you will, or encouraging us. Maybe you've got in your own mind those that you can think of, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, friends that encourage you along the way that you would know are thinking of you and wanting you to consider making a change in your life if you need to do just that. Whether it's the fellow Christians around you or the former faithful, we have those that would encourage us. And then finally this morning, Luke chapter 15 and verse 10 heaven itself you're familiar with Luke 15 and the account that's there the encouraging account not only of the lost boy or the lost son but the lost coin and the lost sheep and in verse 10 Jesus says before he even gets to the prodigal son or the lost son likewise I say to you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents there's joy 
the eternal joys of heaven is shared and it's thought about and it's talked about and it's in, in, uh, went through together with those who would be looking for one sinner who repents. Know as we stand and sing that others are thinking of you. So sometimes when we sing, we sing the words, Oh, hear his tender pleading, come sinner come. And yes, as we sing together, we are trying to motivate each other to do what's right, to make a change. Others are thinking of you. And you know, that becomes a negative thing because I think many times we know that everyone's looking at us. And we think as soon as I take a step into that aisle and walk down to the front, everyone's going to begin thinking. Everyone's going to begin whispering. Everyone's going to begin pointing at me and wondering, what in the world have they done? Others are thinking of you. They're not thinking of you to make fun of you. They're not thinking of you to point and laugh. They're not thinking of you to tear you down. They're thinking of you to lift you up, to stir you up, love and good works, to encourage you. It's a difficult thing to have the courage to step out of that aisle and walk down to the front. It's it's a, a difficult thing sometimes to say, I'm wrong and I need to make a change. But as we stand and sing, we can know that others are thinking of us and that should be a means of encouragement. If you've got your bulletin before you, you may already have all these written down, but in case you don't, as we stand and sing, there are at least five things that you could be thinking of and doing. And I would encourage you to do any number of these things every time. Yeah, a lot of times we're, we're ready to move on. I'll be the first one to admit there might have been a Sunday or two that uh, as the preacher's saying, let's stand and sing, that means we're closer to that door and my belly's growling and I'm ready to get to lunch. Yeah, that comes to our minds sometimes. Sometimes we're worried about having to go home and face a family member who's been difficult or something that's caused us trouble already even that day. But as we stand and sing, as we'll do here in just a few moments, we can do any number of these five things to cause ourselves to think about making a change and making our life right with God. A lot of times you'll hear me say, and said it even I think on Wednesday night, you don't have to leave this place with discouragement. You don't have to leave this place with worry. You don't have to leave this place wondering what would happen, where my eternal place would be, wondering about what the next day might be like. You can leave with comfort, with hope and peace. And whether that's thinking about your relationship with God, thinking about Christ, thinking about heaven, thinking about hell, it's up to each one of us to think about our life and our relationship. That's why that first point is so important. I can't stand for you. You can't stand for anyone else. But each one of us must be sure that our relationship is right with God. We had the plan of salvation as the first slide instead of the last slide. But perhaps you're here this morning and you need to become a child of God and understand the healing powers of the blood of Christ. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've done that. And you remember that joy. You remember that peace that comes with walking out that door or those doors and knowing, knowing the way that you feel, knowing the saving power of the blood of Christ. But you've forgotten because life gets in the way. I asked you at the beginning to consider being on social media and encouraging others by sharing those things. But sometimes we get on social media and we get further away from God because of the things that are said or the things that are out there. Whatever it may be for you, there may be something now, today, the past week, the past month or years that has stood in the way of you having the right relationship with God. 
Repentance can be tough sometimes for us to say, I'm wrong and I need to make a change. But we're thankful to God that he has given us an opportunity to either become a child of God this morning or come back to him and make your life right. Or maybe you need the prayers of this congregation to encourage you. We would ask for you this morning to be courageous, to be humble, and don't delay, even now as we stand together and as we sing. Tending a load of care Are you a soul that's seeking Rest from the burden you bear Do you know, my Jesus Do you know friend have you heard he loves you and that he will abide till the end where is your heart oh pilgrim what does your sorrow you feel. Do you know, my Jesus, do you know, my friend, have you heard he loves you and that he will abide till the end. Who knows your disappointments? Who hears each time you cry? Who understands your heartaches? Who dries the tears from your eyes? Do you know, my Jesus? Do you know, my friend? Have you heard he loves you? And that he will abide till the end. Thank you for your presence here this morning. If you're visiting with us, you're a special guest, and we hope that you'll come back any opportunity that you have. Be back tonight at 6 p.m. for another time of worship together, another message from God's holy word. As we close this morning, let's sing number 841. Number eight.